Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, Blade Disgustings, Dead Pixels Horror Video Game Podcast, delivering a horrifying new episode every Monday. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Krieger. And I am the other one, Neil Bolt. And this week, we're highlighting the bizarre fever dream world of uh, first-person shooter Cruelty Squad from Finnish developer Consumer Soft Products, in which players immerse themselves in a world of corporate assassination, liquidation, and manipulation. But it isn't just Neil and I attempting to make sense of a -a one-of-a-kind experience that is Cruelty Squad, as we're once again joined by Rue Morgue Magazine's video game editor and friend of the show, Evan Miller. Evan, welcome back to the show, man. Thank you for having me. You guys are my squad. Let's get cruel. <laughs> Let's I'm, 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 I'm excited to talk about this game. Hopefully it's not too cruel of an experience yes. chatting with us, but it's the type of uh, squad, though, that I think has an appreciation for games that are maybe off the beaten path, or maybe they're experiences that kind of relish in delivering something as aggressively different as, uh, as Cruelty Squad mm. does. You know, today's episode kind of highlights one of my favorite elements of Safe Room in that a guest brings us a game that, for me at least, wasn't even on my radar. Like, I'd never heard of this game, uh, and then quickly realized that that was a fault on my own because this kind of checks so many different boxes for me, whether it be aesthetically, from a gameplay design, from a humor, uh, dark humor, for that matter, uh, side of things, that this is a game that, you know, from the outside looks like something like why would this be noteworthy but then as soon as i started playing it it's the type of thing where i was like well this is checking so many boxes we can't not chat about it but i guess uh for you evan like how did you even discover this game how did i discover this game did i discover it or did it discover me (laughs) (laughs) maybe it, it found me um you know it's the weirdest thing. I think I just saw, I don't I can't remember where, but just Buzz. Maybe it was on Twitter. Just something, you know, like a one, one screenshot of this game. And it's just stopped, you know, in my tracks. And you're just like, I have to know more about whatever this is. Like, what is this? Just like these crazy neon um, colors with just like this, like, you know, just like repeated desk, like desktop image, like tiny image repeated a hundred million times like for a wall texture and stuff so so it was still in early access and so i um i reached out to uh consumer soft products and i uh, was just like hey you know what is this like i'm interested in checking this out and then he, he sent me over a, a code and i played it and i wasn't the same so <laughs> I think that's the best box quote you could have for this game is that this game will fundamentally change you. But yeah, I guess um, if it sounds like the aspect that probably stood out to you most initially was just that very visceral and um, sort of garish uh, aesthetic or the look of the game. But that kind of just obviously grabs your attention. But I was so pleasantly surprised to find that this is a game that there's so much more to it than just it looking very strange and weird and having more or less fucked up sensibilities about so many different design elements and yet it all comes together in a way that makes for a really unique but more importantly like entertaining package uh, as it were and I guess it's difficult to even really summarize the game but you play a freelance assassin basically that is uh, very suddenly woken from a depression nap as the text says and uh, it's basically given an offer to do contract wet work assassinations for Cruelty Squad which is this subsidiary that carries out hits for their main conglomerate corporation and then these hits are all occurring in what is 
you know, this kind of freakish bio-organic bio world that uh, probably has some Cronenberg influence in there for good measure. Uh, Neil, this was your first time playing Cruelty Squad as well as mine, right? It was. I mean, I'd heard about this as much as a year ago when um, Andrew King sort of pitched me an article about it saying how it's the, the, the shooter that 90s parents were worried about. And, and <laughs> he was very, very correct uh, now that I think about it. Um, but yeah, that, that intrigued me. But at the time, PC gaming, you know, unless I had to, that, that was the attitude I had to it. So in screenshots, it was hard to sort of look at it and go, don't really want it. But, you know, there's part of it that kind of reminded me of so much about my sort of burgeoning youth in PC gaming in the late 90s that I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this does look interesting. I will have to, at some point, get around to it. Like I said, I didn't like to commit to anything on PC with my old setup. Uh, I said, like UJ, you know, I got a new setup recently, so I'm embracing it more and trying more things. I bought more things on PC this year than I have, God knows, in the last <laughs> two, maybe three. And this was one of them. And yeah, so it felt like a perfect time to have Evan uh, do this episode with us and really get into this. What was kind of your initial reaction? Because, you know, my experience with sitting down and playing it was very overwhelming it just in terms again like of some of the things i've referenced in terms of the way it looks the way it plays there's a complete lack mm. of hand holding which initially might sound like a negative but it's actually one of the game's strengths i think and we'll get delve into that later but what was sort of your initial reaction to sitting down and actually getting to play cruelty squad i must say initially i didn't think it'd be as deep as it is um it's one of those weird logical thing that goes on in your head where you're thinking the size of a game you know, in terms of megabytes and gigs makes you think what a game can be and you know this game is relatively small by the most games comparison but it is deep it's an immersive sim when you get down to it uh, that really goes beyond the, the obvious ideas of an immersive sim and takes it into this whole new very bleak, very frank arena. And so it was a little bewildering at first. I think, I think, or like we were just saying, unpleasant. You know, it, it had something about it that just, for a while, I was there thinking, do I want to carry on with this game? It, it just seems a bit. Yeah, you know, I, I, it just seems like it's pissing me off for the sake of pissing me off like that and you know and I went into it with an open mind at this point you know I might add you know I, and I've just been discussing before this with you Jay you know how I love that kind of stuff I love stuff that's confrontational and aggressive and doesn't give a shit about what the, the person experiencing it wants mm. from that you know I love I mean Christ I love Metal Gear Solid 2 you know that is my reference point in terms of like how I see any game, you know, it is that I don't care if it's pleasing. I don't care if it lets you live out a power fantasy. It's I, I really like the idea of something that pisses you off, and that's what compelled me to keep playing it. Really, and I'm glad it did because 
like in many experiences over the years, it ended up being one of those things where I hate it and I really bloody respect it at the same time. You know, it, it, it is one of those strange, strange things where, you know, I wouldn't call it like the greatest game of all time or anything like that, but I really, really, really felt impacted by it as a result of what I experienced because it's so obnoxious in what it does you know it, it knows what it's doing it, it's pushing you into this thing and it commits to the bit you know and I love mm. that about it and I think that is so much more than oh this game doesn't play the way I like so pff, 6 out of 10 sort of thing you know it's an experience matters even in games you know it, it doesn't just have to be about how it plays what it does things like that there's a message to this game and I believe that that is more important than frustrations yeah I'll say I had a very not biased but I just had certain expectations just based on the way the game looked it was either going to be this Mm -hmm. thing where it's like okay this is a a very a game that is indicative of its shortcomings of it being developed by an indie studio and all these things or it's a game that is really cashing in on the fact of look how fucking weird this looks that's going to be the main point and then it ends up playing like any other first person shooter that's supposed to be crafted as a love letter to the 90s and whatnot and it very quickly becomes apparent that that is not the case with this game (laughs) this game has a shocking level of depth to it that initially was very jarring but the longer I stuck with and you know jarring and frustrating but the longer I stuck with it and started to learn through actually playing the game and getting to not have to be reliant on excessive tutorials or any tutorials like when I say there's a lack of handholding there's no handholding in the best way possible in that it very much feels like it's reverting back to that 90s sensibility of game design in a way that I actually miss from a lot of those style of games and specifically immersive sims but I liked the fact that I was encountering something that was basically a process of me like retraining my brain on how I need to play this type of game because I haven't played something like this in so long. Whether or not the game has that very visceral and sort of garish looking uh, aesthetic and graphical uh, style and whatnot, it's more important to me about how the game plays. And then the longer I was sort of just immersed in that world and experimenting, you know, experimenting in a first person shooter is something that I don't really experience all that much in terms of experimenting with play styles outside of, well, I'll I'll use a silencer here or I'll just kill everybody in the room with a rocket launcher here. Those are kind of like the very limited parameters of a lot of first-person shooters that I play these days and whatnot, mm. to things of that regard. And so to play something that was actually this very deep immersive sim that channeled that weirdness into gameplay mechanics in a way that made for an experience unlike anything else... I found to be incredibly satisfying just the longer that I played it and the more frustrated I got was actually more rewarding than I was anticipating. Evan, for you, what was sort of the first aspect of the game that stood out to you that, oh, this is more than just being confrontational in what players expect of homages to the 90s or older sensibility games? Well, I think it's it's super fascinating because, you know, on the... It's like a... You look at Cruelty Squad on the surface and you're just like, I mean, maybe you have some reference points. I know I do. Um, And even the developer 
you know, sites like Super Mario 64 is like an influence and stuff like that. And it goes it's full circle into that like older graphics thing being unsettling kind of um, thing that we were speaking about last time that I was on. But um, it's it's wild because if you break it down and really study Cruelty Squad in like an academic sense uh, from like a game design point of view or something. You've seen, you've done it all before. I mean, it's not, yeah. there isn't a lot that's like a holy, you know, this, there is no like first time you play um, Katamari and you're just like, I have never played a game like this in my entire life. Yeah. But you feel, you're, in your gut, you feel that way when you're playing it. Like somehow it, it just weaves these, these different elements that I was already familiar with. And maybe that was part of why I sought it out too. Is, I saw those elements like in quick videos or screenshots and you're just like, oh, this, this is, this gives off like GoldenEye vibes or this gives off, um, mm. whatever, perfect dark, <laughs> like a dirty, perfect dark, dirty, perfect. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but so, yeah, so that was what first popped into my head is like that, that first level and the, um, the uh, kind of like, sprawling level design it's like a bit larger than it needs to be like it's not like a not needs to be but you know, yeah. it's like yeah it's like a thief level or like a deus ex or whatever you're just like yeah, I'm in yeah. Like zone and I can kind of experiment and hopping from like roof climbing that ladder or whatever in that first level going out and like popping that guy through the window and then like these crazy dog things are chasing you and you're just I love how it just drops you in, and it's, I mean, you got a bit of a setup with that intro cinematic. Yeah. But I just loved how it just dropped me in. It didn't really explain much. Like, you have that dispatch pig man guy that's, like, barking your orders at you. Um, <laughs> but other than that, and it's, like, this, like, fucked up font. It's, like, gross, all, you know, and you're just, like, reading. Yeah. It's, it's great. So, I mean, there is some, like, world building and stuff, but nothing prepared me for just like the that di- you know that there's that la- laugh sound effect and that kind of like disoriented like yeah. way that when you come to even that right off mm-hmm. the bat that's the first thing the player experiences when they're dropped into the level it's like the first thing is like are you feeling sick yet like okay <laughs> check out this guy who just like makes your camera just zoom into him and like your head explode and like go all over the place uh so and and just little yeah that that detonation thing where like you you reach a certain you you reach your low health and then like a alarm starts going out and you're just like what the uh, is going on twice. yeah come down <laughs> so you're already you're stressed because you got killed and then you're stressed because you're just like what is this alarm telling me and then you just blow up and take all the guys with you so. <laughs> I mean and also initially the fact that you know you're gonna have to pay for dying, yeah, and coming back. Yeah. It, it just—I love the, you know, the capitalist sort of stress factor. It's like, oh fuck, I died. This is as bad as being injured. You know, it's like <laughs> you might as well be. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that countdown is like that. Fuck's sake, you know, it's like you're not actually dead, but you're gonna die. And I love that rather than actually just dying, you know, flat out, just falling on the floor. You are just treated to that wonderful minus meter of like oh now you're minus itself <laughs> minus that of minus that. it's like I'm still gonna fucking die aren't I whatever it happens right. and it's like 
Ah, it's just it's beautiful. And you're still, you're still invest. Like I'm still like trying to do my mission or kill my kill people. And I'm just like, what am I? I'm I'm done. Like I need to just stop. Might as well just stop. But mm. I don't. I just keep going and try to. So I don't know what that's about. But uh, good game. It's interesting. It ties into the sort of capitalist angle that I'll uh, I want to chat about in a little more detail uh, later on. But that idea that. You've gotten to society, at least what little we know about the society of cruelty squad is, mm-hmm. is that it's more about the hurt to your wallet than the individual, right? Because yeah. that is that thing where it's like, oh, it costs $500. It's they're so flippant when you die about it because it's like, yeah, it's like $500 and you're back in the game, basically. And then inevitably, even if you don't have funds, it's not like the game just ends all of a sudden. So it's more about just kind of shuffling this person back through the various uh, the various assassinations and murders, which, you know, one th- element of this game that stands out to me the most is that it's an assassination game, basically, an immersive sim that tells you exactly where the target is. You know, even in something like Hitman, you're briefed on a target, but you don't necessarily know exactly where they're going to be the entire game, right? I guess you yeah. have that vision, but you have to find out where they are and then stalk them, and you can kind of look through walls once you're nearby or whatever. But there's still, you have to discover their location, start to monitor their habits and their patterns and behaviors. Whereas in Cruelty Squad, from the moment you spawn in an environment, you know exactly where the target is, which I love because it really does stress the element of this game in that it is an immersive sim from the ground up in that it's not so much where the target is, it's how the player is going to choose to go about Mm. not only placing themselves in proximity to take them out, but also it's not the challenging part of like finding out where they are. It's almost challenging the player to challenge themselves in the sense that it's like, well, let me go back and replay this and try to find the most harebrained scheme to take out the target or using the very various sort of fucked up variables that are within the world itself based on the environments. Or what I found I was doing was I would play two or three levels, have this stockpile of cash and then buy some type of new upgrade or revisit an earlier hit with some extravagant or bizarre weapon that I had where it's like you start with, I think it's pretty basic, you start with like an SMG and a silenced handgun and then you end up getting, of course, like rocket launchers and chain chain guns, but also like I think it's a radiation gun. Uh, you can eventually get like an implant mod that lets you like put a gun in your head or something to that extent. Like yeah. There are so many new and weird and wacky variables that... They're not significant just because they're weird and wacky, but they fundamentally change the way that you can approach encounters, which is, again, it's an element of this game in the depth that I wasn't prepared for, because on the surface of what the game is, you're like, well, this is just like any other. Like Evan had said, there are so many variables here that are not necessarily pushing the immersive sim genre in a new direction, or they're not revolutions or evolutions on these very familiar staples, but it's taking so many different variables that you're familiar with and it's weaving it into this experience that ends up being very much unlike what anything else that you've played from this genre Um, and that's something that I think this game deserves a lot of credit for because it could have been very easy just to give us this very standard kind of approach to an assassination style game and yet I kept finding that the amount of freedom that the player had was quite unparalleled given sort of just the the bevy of options that the player has for this very familiar scenario, but at the same time, like these very inventive and sort of 
refreshing retreads again on these types of variables that we're so familiar with with these types of games. It's um, also it taps into its visual style by going back to the 90s in terms of how aggressive the AI is in terms of like your stealth approach your stealth approach is net, you know, net really when you think about it because you know they, they will fucking see you a drop of it you know, they will see you if you are basically covered in a shroud the an invisible shroud they fucking look at you and go yeah there he is fucking shoot him like that but the idea is to try and cause as little distraction as possible and maybe find some cover. It, you know, it goes into this whole world that you're in, that, you know, everything is aggressive and in your face and, like, everyone's out to kill everyone because, you know, money, money, money. And that that works really well because there's still an element of stealth to it. You know, there are approaches to the levels where you can say, no, I can go this way and get the jump on people. And in that sense, it's weirdly closer to, say, a Rainbow Six game, you know, than it is, say, Hitman. You know, it's allowing you the idea that, you know, if you can plan this just right, you can get the jump on these people. You're never going to be able to sneak up on them necessarily. But you can get out there, take a few of them out before you even get noticed. And, you know, that is essential because you, you don't want to get hit in this game. You really don't because the cost of trying to heal yourself becomes such a fucking chore. Yeah. And <laughs> again, ties into the idea of this catalytic nature where, you know, you're given the option to sort of consume the corpses of anyone you down that goes the civilians for one health you know like for one bit of health for every person you kill but as negligible as that sounds it ends up being this thing where you're like well I will because if I a few more percent here might get me through this next section and you get a you get an amazing sound effect uh, yeah burping <laughs> down their blood and guts and then and then you also harvest organs that you can sell on the, mm. uh, on the yeah. stock market, which you can you can pop open any time during any level. It's just bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I, I love that. It's like the fact that you can just be going for all this, all this chaos and carnage. Yeah. And like, hang on a yeah, sec. Surplus of brain. fucking stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I got I got to check. <laughs> I got to see if I got to sell <laughs> right now. What's this guy want for this uh, lever? Yeah. <laughs> But I think that that's a really ingenious implementation of what feels like more modern game design sensibilities, like having that metagame in there, but putting it within the context of something that feels very classical in most regards throughout the entire game. And that, again, I think is one of the game's strongest suits in that it it doesn't waste the opportunity that as, you know, I'm going to repeat myself ad nauseum this episode, but as weird and bizarre (laughs) as the world is, they don't just rely on that. I think there's so many games where this could have just been like a gimmicky kind of thing. Whereas in this, yeah. it's the core of the experience in that it runs through all the different mechanics. And the idea that you're going to slurp down bodies and sell organs and pause up mid potentially firefight to sell a bunch of organs on the stock market is not ridiculous in the context of this world because the entire thing is presented as being ridiculous. And yet yeah. it is 
a much deeper experience than I think I was willing to give it credit for initially. And it's, you know, it's a game that's filled with surprises in a way that feel genuine because, again, it's more about the player learning how to play the game and the parameters through experimentation that, while can be brutally difficult at certain points, it feels rewarding because the game has that many secrets to unlock, if it, as it were. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, it, I was just going to say, and I think it's, it's uh, you know, it's got this kind of, like, element to it where it's, it's so clearly, like, the first... Um, project of this developer like released anyway where it's just kind of like yeah why not why not why, like I, I like fishing mechanics and games like why not <laughs> why not have an org- like a stock market uh, that you can you can interact with yeah why not do this and that and the other thing and, and uh, you know I'll put in a, a, an upgrade that just like makes you smell worse you know why not it feels both at the same time like the work of someone smart and the work of a 19 year old you know it's there's such a you know, teenage approach to things sometimes where it's like the very blatant bludgeoning idea of like what capitalism is and fascism is and like all this like it's sneering you know and but it works in the context of this world they created and the fact that they have a bit of nuance and a bit of restraint with that kind of makes it work better because you know that they're not just being like they're not it's not just a bunch of kids deciding what they think capitalism is it's you know people that understand there's a childish side to that but there is this other side to it that they can push further and as a result you get this really absurd sort of mix where yeah it's ridiculous that you can just sort of you know the game lets you have these moments where no you want to make money fuck yes yeah here we go here's every opportunity like that you know the game takes every opportunity to say oh you know you're struggling are you oh you know well you know we can help you but you know there's a cost you know there's a way to that and it's brilliant for that you know I think that's where strength absolutely lies is that you can just revel in its world and how weird it is and end up frustrated by dying all the time because you didn't anticipate one enemy being here or whatever but at the end of the day you end up in this situation where you'll keep playing because it's subverting the idea of what capitalism is but also drawing you into it to play a video game by doing what many video games do in embracing capitalism so it's fucking nuts and once you start realising that either you hate yourself for doing it and kind of want to put the game down in which case the game wins anyway uh, in doing so or you know you embrace it and you sort of come out the other side going yes I will be your bitch I will keep doing this I will keep going through this because I understand it but I realise what a fucking hypocrite I am for carrying on and you, in this way yeah and I mean like it's now I'm actually uh, reminded now of how similar it is to how 
much I became just completely enveloped in Hotline Miami the first time I played it. Mm-hmm. We're talking yeah, about that's a good example. Having a strategy, you know, it's like your strategy is only as good as how long you're quiet before that first enemy sees you, and then, yeah. and then it's all in what you're gonna do, right? Like, and there's that element of like speed. So, I mean, you could do like speed runs and cruelty squad and, and stuff. So, there's this. Yeah, it's like it's like it's the dumbest thing ever, and it's simultaneously like uh, very very intelligent, very self aware. I mean, uh, I, I hate to get to tie it to something so recent, but hey, Matrix Resurrections, right? Same kind of. Reality. I mean, no, no, that is perfect. That is a perfect. Yeah. Comparison point, I think. You're gonna have some people who are totally they see the they see the strings of the puppet of the show and they're like, Okay, I understand what you're doing and it's like the whole everything together is the is the nice is the brilliant is what you want. It's about each individual thing when you pick it apart it can you can just be like, Yeah, well, okay. Uh, you know, this is this is Hitman. I've already played this and this is Deus Ex with this upgrade thing. This is that it's like but so why is this game like uh, consuming every moment of my day in my mind when I'm playing it? You know, like that's got that going yeah. for it. Um, yeah, I think that the way that I've been describing it to people is it's like Deus Ex with Adult Swim sensibilities, right? Mm-hmm. They're willing to say things and have this kind of brash sense of humor at certain points, or you know, they—I mean, the game again. The game opens with the. Pigman mocking the player. Oh, did I wake you up from your depression nap? I know you're not doing shit. Like, come kill a bunch of people for us. But again, it has the mechanics and everything to back it up in a way that it doesn't feel like it is. It feels like it's in on the joke, which is so important in a game like this. And again, to all the points that you both have just mentioned, that's why it all works and is as so cohesive as it is. I mean, to take it back to the stock market uh, portion of the game for a minute, like. That could be such a flippant addition where it's like, okay, we'll have a laugh. You can pick up organs and sell them, give you extra cash to buy these implants and things. But the fact that that actually funnels back into the gameplay is really something that I think is amazing. And it's one of the elements of the game that I overlooked initially, but the more I played it and then realized like, oh, this actually has an effect on missions in a way that is not just like, okay, you have more cash, but it actually makes it so that way you can affect the stock market based on what you're doing in your own actions. So like in one of the missions you go and you kill the two CEOs of some fucking weird company and all of a sudden their stock for that company tanks. So then that gives the player the ability to sort of hoard all of the stocks and then you go off and you do some other things. And when the stock starts to rise, obviously you cash out. And again, that's such a that's a brilliant I think implementation of something that on paper you're kind of like well this is like a gimmick or a little feature that nobody's going to think about for more than a few seconds but the reality that that actually fundamentally changes the player's progression in terms of what they can purchase and their spending power and things like that mm-hmm. I think is just an, a really brilliant again way to implement something that has more substance to it. It doesn't feel like an afterthought. It could very much be a gag, oh, you can eat bodies and pick up their hearts and livers and kidneys and whatnot. But the idea, though, that your actions actually have an effect on the market really does tie back into that sort of capitalist, the cyberpunk, overall cyberpunk themes of the game, 
which I think it handles it really well. You know, it handles the reality that like we're heading towards a direction, you know, not to get overly philosophical or anything. We're heading in a direction where corporations are going to be so big that and uh, the film Possessor, I think, does a good job of, uh, yeah. kind of tackling something similar in the reality that it's like, well, these companies are essentially engaging in open warfare against one another and the body count is stacking higher and higher. But everybody's making money off of it, and so the right palms are getting greased and whatnot. That nothing is going to happen. Listen. This is just the new normal. Yeah, listen. Yeah. Uh, Cruelty Squad is a is a window into our future. Microsoft bought Activision. <laughs> Cruelty Squad <laughs> takes place in twenty twenty three. There you this go. Is hey, what's, hey. This is what's ahead of us. No, but you're <laughs> cool. Right, <man. laughs> yeah, it's uh, and that's like I saw a lot of people kind of. Compi- um, comparing it to like a bat, you know, an acid trip, which obviously, yes, you know, it's fucked up. Yeah, it's that amount of However, it was like a very sobering um, experience for me to play this game and just like, you know, it's it's weird that something that's so overtly hitting you over the head with a message and something like that can still get to you so much, you know, like. Um, I just felt dirty playing this game. Like it just felt disgusting. I felt like just, and it, it felt like I was in. I had so many simultaneous feelings going through me, like of nostalgia, of like being like, you found some weird game that like you shouldn't be playing, but like you know has that kind of like urban legend kind of vibe to it, like Polybius or something. Definitely, like, definitely. It's like you can't quite place your finger on it, and then. Um, you know, like, yeah, just, just, just always wanting to see what the hell is the next level going to be, you know, like that one where you're yeah. in a mall, <laughs> That's you're a giant mall, like, and it's just like, and there's this, just suddenly giant, um, like cyber demon sized guys with two chainsaws and chain guns and what the fuck is happening in this world? I love it. Um. Well, that's the thing. The 90s sort of sensibilities with game design, I think, is so strong here that it ends up grounding you in a world that is so unexpected and so exciting in a way that I seldomly feel when I play a lot of games where I, that have these sort of very familiar uh, roots and sort of just basis in the gameplay itself. But at the end of the day, like I, for all the things that we've been complimenting on, like the themes and the sort of uh, the narrative that goes behind everything and your actions and sort of at one point, the way in which this company that you're assassinating people for casts you aside and all of a sudden you become the target. It's the type of thing, though, where I never bounced off of any of those things for as surprisingly visceral as some of the emotions that I might have had while playing this was because I was very rooted in something Evan mentioned briefly earlier, which is the classical approach to it's almost like a speed run style approach to gameplay in mm. that you die so quickly in the game and so easily that you really do find yourself in the position that I haven't since I was like in my adolescence playing games with those types of uh, harder first person shooters and things of that nature where you basically have to plot out the course of what you're going to do in your head yes. when you have had about 15 or 16 runs of the same level and you do adopt this sort of perfectionist mentality when you have these limited resources or, in this case, the ever-evolving randomness of the world. Because no matter how many levels into this game you get, 
You might think you have a mastery on how you approach encounters or how you approach missions, but you really don't have any idea what you're talking about or you're kidding yourself at that point because you have no idea what's coming next in a way that doesn't feel disingenuous. It doesn't feel... Um, it doesn't feel just, it, it is random, but it feels yeah. like there is a purposeness be behind that randomness that it works within the context of that world. And it makes for something that is incredibly, you know, intoxicating and addicting to a certain degree with something that if it didn't have that, I probably would have bounced off of it quicker than I would have just because if it was just very straightforward, this is what you're doing. You can die in a couple of shots. I'm not somebody that necessarily gravitates towards those maybe more hardcore, super difficult games, but there's so much about the world that is enthralling, that's exciting, that's scary, that is, you know, random, uh, that I just was excited to see what was coming next. And it feels like very, it feels like unperverted uh, creative freedom in a way that we seldomly experience sometimes. Not to say there's a shortage of creative games out there, but it feels like it's not being run through a filter. It feels like yeah. a, uh, a stream of consciousness from like you had said, like a 19 year old or uh, when Neil stepped away for a sec, like a, uh, an adult swim sensibilities to humor. Well, it doesn't yeah. matter what you're saying or what you're doing there. If it gets the laugh sort of thing. Yeah, and I think the, the developer um, is quite young. And I think that's like one of the, the key um, elements to it as well as it has this youth kind of like attitude and zest to it that uh, it's it's kind of like you say you're trying to describe it as deus ex you know meets adult swim it's like yeah it's like if JC Denton was, was uh, brought up on like 4chan or whatever and you know, just had like <laughs> just completely sick like warped like humor that's like endearing and kind of cute and like uh infantile yeah in, in, in like a derogatory sense but then it's just like at the same time it's like so uh philosophical and heady and and like uh you know like proof of concept with what it sets out to do and then like just you know nails it so it's really interesting it's a, honestly i think you know i think it's it's like it is one of those games that I'll never forget firing up. Like, it really just... Yeah. It's man. been a immediate... And then just, just watching, like, people react to it, like, they're saying it's an, it's an insult, it's a joke game, it's like, you know, this guy... Every, like, the developer's just pulling it, you know, the wool over our eyes or whatever, like, just... just uh, it's like, come on, guys, like... I don't know, but that's great. That's what you want, right? I guess you want hate. You want you want this like, oh, absolutely. reaction. Like I, I think of um, you know, I, I've just been talking about this with Jay on Daily Horror Habit that there are directors out there that do that kind of thing that deliberately set out to make films that most people are going to be like outraged by without what you know. Anyone who really watches film will be like, "Come on, you've been a bit ridiculous here to, to, to be outraged by this." You can tell what the person directing this is doing. You can tell they are trying to provoke you. Be sensible, you know like that. And you, it doesn't mean being sensible doesn't mean oh that means you have to be all cynical and say oh yeah well you know I got it so I think it's shit sort of thing. It's a case of like no, appreciate that someone made something that was not made for people. It's made for 
nobody, really, <laughs> when you think about it. It, it. It's made for the idea of, like, this is a very unpleasant experience, and you won't like it because it is unpleasant. And as a result, you will probably be pissed off most of the time you're doing this. But if you come up with the right mindset doing so, you will end up having this little mini revelation in it and going, yeah, but this is what I like. This is this is what I appreciate. And you see it in things like The Matrix Resurrections. You see it in stuff like The Neon Demon by Nicholas Wedding Refn. You see it in Ben Wheatley films. You know, it, it goes on and on and on. You, you see the stuff that is honest and abrasive and wants to piss someone off by not giving them a clear answer but giving enough to the people that want to have an answer out of it something mm-hmm. and as I was saying to Jay I really love that kind of thing I love you know I can dislike aspects of whatever that thing is doing you know like I love Metal Gear Solid 2 as I've said before as a game and I think it has its downsides you know, and whatever. Yeah, you know, Jay, but... have you heard the the Neil likes Metal Gear Solid? I think it, we've it, talked about it once, maybe uh, twice. You might like it, but I think that it it is it's a running it joke. Is an apt it, comparison. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's always my go-to comparison because it broke my brain. Yeah. It when yeah, I played it. it's something that yeah I remember so distinctly at the time, you know, loving it as someone who loved video games and all the people around me who very much play video games in a very casual manner sort of just being baffled by it and and being repulsed by it yeah. It's like, didn't and... you unplug your memory card or your controller to fight the <laughs> You knew this was coming yeah. you know, come on Yeah, yeah. but it, it, it's like and this is where the Nicholas Winning Refn reference comes in is that it's the difference between Drive and Only God Forgives. Yeah. In that, if you do or do not like what the continuation of that idea is, and you know, in that sense, you know, I fucking detest Only God Forgives by comparison to Drive. But, Metal Gear, you know, I so much prefer Metal Gear Solid 2 to the first one not because I think the first game is bad or anything I just, I just think it's an amazing subversion in the same way that as we were talking about Matrix Resurrections the early sort of thoughts on that film when people were saying what they were saying about it I was like this is the this is the MGS2 of film I'm going to love it and I was right I fucking adored yeah. it and it was amazing and it just does that perfect thing where it knows from the outset what it is doing. It knows that it is pushing its audience and it doesn't care about getting the biggest audience and getting the big reactions from social media. It's like, no, we're not here for controversy. We're here to just sort of do what we're doing. I think Andrew King pointed this out really well when he did the article last year he he said it's like if this had been a game that had come out in the 90s yeah it would have been like this big deal and people would have been up in arms about it but because it comes out now and there's so much out that 
does this, this, this and this and there's so many safe options for people it, it's not going to make the dent it won't make the dent it could have made but maybe that makes it more special I applaud this game for being unapologetically hostile and that's the, the mm. label I use for much of the media that Neil had mentioned you know whether it be film or games it's the type of thing where hostile in the sense that there will the, the developers or directors are willing to take something that might be familiar or have aspects that are familiar but take it in a direction that is not yes. going to jive with everyone and they're not worried about that thus being unapologetic about it because they've backed that up with something in the case of a film it's a narrative or an emotion or something or commentary that they want to make through this un uh, through this means that is not something that people are used to experiencing where with the game like I could see you know that's why like with reactionary uh, posts and things like that within the game side of things it doesn't surprise me when people fire off those kind of like quick reactions to something like the twist in Metal yeah. Gear Solitude and things like that because it's very much against the grain of what they want but I don't put much stock in any of that because it's always well this is not what I thought it was going to be. And it was like, well, if you got everything, every piece of media that you consume, if it was exactly what you were expecting it to be, you would not be a fan of that media for very long because that's the type of thing where yeah. at the end of the day, you just keep playing the same thing over and over or watching the same thing over and over. And maybe <sighs> yeah. some people do that with their media, which is fine. That's their choice. But I think that you don't get these games that leave, that plant their flag in the ground very distinctly, something like Cruelty Squad and that, there's components of this that are familiar, but it doesn't matter because the ways in which they're using those variables and the uh, additionals, whether it be tone or style or aesthetic that they're heaping on to those familiar variables is going to create something that's not for everybody, but that's okay because the people it clicks with, it really clicks with. And as Evan said, it yeah. makes for an experience that is not only unforgettable, but it's more so than just a reactionary sort of feeling on it. It's not just, oh, this is shocking or this is offensive or whatnot but there's more to it than that i think yeah. fundamentally because otherwise we wouldn't be talking about it all these months after its release if it was just shocking or it was just oh it was offensive it's like that's a conversation that lasts like three minutes because it's like mm. well this is a very fickle thing at the end of the day then it wasn't doing much that's worth talking about to begin with but evan back Absolutely. to you you were going to uh you were going to say something yeah no just just continuing on that it's just that uh, yeah, I think it's, I mean, it is like you had mentioned earlier, it's, it's cyberpunk. Um, and I put the emphasis on punk because it's totally that thing of like, punk is not, if you study punk music, what music, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Ramones like did something original. I'm going to make myself sound like a idiot because I don't know punk like my weak genre. <laughs> but, you know, that feeling, right? Like, it's it's not about the chords. It's not about the instruments. It's not about necessarily your me just your message. Your message is part of it. But this game is, like, punk as hell, man. Like, it just does not give a fuck. Yeah. It's like, it has that... Um, I'm not sure if you guys... This is, like, a, a, a I think a reference point for a lot of people, too, I see with Cruelty Squad and the, it's, a, it's a pretty good one um, I'm not, not sure if you're familiar with Death Grips the band Death Grips but like mm -hmm. I'm not yeah, but, I've, yeah. I've, I've heard some other stuff it's the, it's the same kind of like you're like I know all these elements I've heard something kind of like this before 
mm-hmm. yet I'm like scared. I want to dance. I want to do that. Like it's just all those all these feelings <laughs> happening at once, and it's like that's there. That's that lightning in a bottle. It's the it's it's not about the engine it runs on. It's not about how neat some of the novel some of the gameplay elements are. It's just that that feeling you get when you when you fire it up, and it's so yeah. successful at that. Well, in mentioning punk music, like, have you got you guys have both seen the movie Green Room? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a quote in that movie that I really love, and I believe they're a punk band. But they have this quote where they say, uh, "Music is shared live. It's time and aggression. You got to be there." And that I think is very applicable to a game like this. In that, well, not everybody might share their experience with Cruelty Squad. It is very much the type of thing where. You need to experience it for yourself. I don't yes. find that this is the type of game that if you were staring over somebody's shoulder playing it or if you were watching it on oh, Twitch yeah. or YouTube Absolutely. or whatever, you'd be like, well, that looks like it's fun for about five minutes. So and then you get past the novelty of it being bizarre. So, uh, yes. You could you could say that no one can be told what Cruelty Squad is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you have to see it for yourself. Anyway, it's the type of thing though where like I gave that summary of it earlier and I don't even feel like that does it justice because of the depths that it goes with almost every aspect of it whether it be the narrative or the world building or the game design and these things mm-hmm. but it really just is this thing that has to be experienced and that sounds like such a cop out you just have to play it for yourself it's not but, though it, it really yeah. isn't because I, I went into this at the beginning it's like if I really went down to what Joe Public would say about Cruelty Squad, I would hate it. I, or I'd be indifferent. One of those two things. But because I want to have a game like this, I want to see games do this kind of thing, I'm going to embrace that more. Hmm. And as a result, and I fully respect the game. Like I said before, I maybe don't hold it in as high regard as you two may but at the same time I still look at it and think yeah this is a game that really does something and really has a message and that's more important with a game like this it really makes it what it is I'd rather that than have a game that everyone was like nodding in approval saying oh yes this is a game that everyone's going to vote for every time anyone brings up some Twitter poll that says, hey, which of these four games do you love? Is it this game by Sony? Is it this game by Sony? Or is it this game by Sony? And, you know, not to knock Sony, just, like, that's now the safe route in terms of, like, video games that sell well and do well critically for public and by critics. So, you know, I like games that are abrasive, that cause people to be angry even if I don't like them, you know, like that. I we were talking outside of this show about twelve minutes, you know, and how the, oh, we, we, we would not, yeah, we wouldn't want to cover it yeah. because it's fucking awful, as far as I'm concerned. I've seen people be like, "Well, okay, it's, there's an art to it," and like that. Fair enough, that's their opinion, but it's that kind of game. I, I've done that with many a game myself in the past where I've been like yeah no I think this game has some merit I think this has something to it that deserves to be explored and delved into and 
most people would be like, what the fuck are you on about? This game is garbage, you know, like that. And yeah, that's great. Like that, that, that's the wonder of opinion. Well, it's like, uh, right now with Inscription. Um, Inscription? Yeah, now. Yeah, like it's an incredible game. I love it. I loved every moment of it. Mm. It did not get me like Cruelty Squad did. Uh, and but the way I hear people talking about Inscription is how I feel about Cruelty Squad. So, yeah, you know, that kind of the very different. I mean, they they are and they aren't. I mean, they're kind of both toying with the. Well, I think they're both doing the same thing from different angles. And it's kind of that new that new indie. Like, there's a few of these games that are just kind of like they've got this this feeling. It's also like it's funny with the organ. Uh, stock market thing because it's like uh, warlord uh, uh, organ space space warlord organ yeah 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 that was... fuck, I, I can't say the title but anyway you know <laughs> we will know what you yeah. mean don't worry and it's like <laughs> these games that just it's like it's it's in on the joke it knows it's it's very self aware but it's got this kind of like bravado big dick energy happening where it's like I, yeah. I was raised on games that like take take something and flip it on its head and make you just like halfway through go like what the hell is going on and it's got this that that kind of like um, I, and I don't even know what you call that but yeah that, that punk kind of like attitude uh, and I'm yeah. just so happy it's like happening and there's so many different types across all different genres because like it's scripted yeah card game and you're and it just like broke my mind and then like cruelty squad is like this yeah it looks like it's like an n64 game well i think i'm so keen on cruelty squad maybe a little more than neil is just because i like that you mentioned uh i think it's called space warlord oregon trading simulator which is just like so hilariously on the nose in terms of like commentaying on games and you know <laughs> the uh, direction that society's heading is well. yeah. but yeah I, I mean and this is not a slight against that game because that was clearly what they wanted to make but they took this cruelty squad essentially takes that element that is an entire game and then just kind of haphazard not haphazardly but introduces it into their own game that is so very different and some people might view it as being an afterthought but clearly it's so intrinsic to just the world of the game itself that it actually ends up being this really wonderful complement to the sense of style and the commentary that they're trying to make and whatnot and you know i i keep coming back to just the true essence of cruelty squad having this immersive player freedom sim that so many games claim to have and yet this is the first one I've played in such a long time. And honestly, I didn't finish the game yet just because of work and stuff. But I played the first, I think, eight or nine levels. And it took me back to those days of like Deus Ex where it has this message that is very that you can't miss. Right. You can't miss the commentary they're making. It's in every aspect of the world. And I, while the game I, I, I would say I think I think you can miss that as the world in general has shown. You, you can miss a message very much. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, in terms of, like, the overall cyberpunk element of it, right? They're telling you to go assassinate these people, and you've got this gain from that, and then sort of the arc that it takes, where inevitably you're just another pawn in the machine. Like, that's maybe 
more of a commentary on players, right? You get six level, five, six levels in, and you're like, well, I'm the protagonist of this game. I'm the main character. Yes. And then you realize you're probably one of how many other hundreds or thousands of hitmen in this fucked up future world that are doing the exact same thing. And at the end of the day, there's probably other squads out there that are like Cruelty Squad. They're doing the same thing. So inevitably, like, are you making a difference? Are you really yeah. affecting the bottom line that much? I mean, they are basically trying to make you feel important in a world where you are just another number. And that makes it a job in mm-hmm. the very normal sense where it's like they'll butt you up to get you to do the job they want. After that, it's like, it's like, we'll try and make sure we milk as much as we can out of you. And, uh, like I said, that comes down into the consequences of dying repeatedly and the offers they make you do make it easier, if you will, on you. That, yeah, they find a way to profit from you if you're not good enough. And mm. either you do the job and they pay you whatever and it's done or you're not great at that job and they offer you these little routes to make it a little easier you know and that in itself kind of pays them anyway as well so they get compensated and that's just again goes right back into the idea of it all and it is fantastic yeah I mean it's it, it's the it's the it's the hopeless uh, cycle that we're all stuck in you know like Capitalism sucks. Uh, it's all we know, and everything is set up on it. So onward, you know, like it's just like okay, all right, well, whatever. I, you know, like uh, I gotta feed my cats, and so I'm gonna, go and <laughs> I'm gonna wear a big dumb costume and like, uh, you know, whatever. I don't know what job I was just trying to put in anyway. So, but yeah, okay. Maybe, maybe you just wear that for comfort. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. I'm into I'm into dressing like a clown. Okay, the secrets. Yeah. I don't get paid. It's half my wardrobe, it's man. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we love insane clown posse. But so <laughs> yeah, it's it's um that's the thing is like when I, I was like driving to work this morning and I'm just like, how oh, fuck am I going to talk about Cruelty Squad? Like, what am I going to? What can I possibly say? And it's that, Mor- that Morpheus thing. It's just like, you gotta play it. Nothing we could possibly say. I mean, I'm sure we've piqued some people's interest who maybe were like, what's this cruelty squad? Like, oh, okay. But nothing, rest assured, nothing we can possibly say, if this game will click with you, is going to, you know, um, convey it enough. That, and that's, I can't think of another game Apart from like I like I say I bring up inscription because inscription is so, but inscription is kind of like cruelty squad is like here is what I am, here's what I am like there's no I'm, yeah I'm going. It, it's more abrasive in what it does right and then inscription is kind of like uh, here's what I am but maybe not and like what do you think about this and yeah. like what's your role in this and like you know very like very cerebral uh, in a different way. And what's cool with Cruelty Squad is like it gets me into my head, but like it, I have to keep moving forward, you know, as I'm yeah. playing it. Like I'm, all these all these thoughts are going through my mind, and like, oh, I really like this, and oh, look at that, that Funko Pop wall, that's terrifying, and how ah, how funny is that <laughs> that that's in this world, and oh shit, there's a uh, you know, 
there's a there's a weird creature like coming out from the tunnel that I fell into. Like it's just so I can't I can't just think about the academic or like uh, uh, heady elements, and that's what's so badass about it. It's like it's just layers, layers, man, layers. layers. I appreciate a game, whether it's a game or a movie, where the creative behind it very like adamantly and frequently reminds the viewer or the consumer that they aren't shit. Yeah. <laughs> like that's just a very <laughs> that's something that I appreciate because they actually have something to back that up, right? And it's to the reason why I didn't bounce off of it for whatever various uh biases maybe I had going into it or certain expectations, like it ended up enthralling me in a way that I was not prepared for. And you know, mm. to uh to Evan's point about hopefully we've piqued some people's interest, I thought before rounding out we could highlight some of our favorite oddities that we uh, encountered with Cruelty Squad because there's too many to number, but there's definitely, uh, I'm sure we could each think of a couple that really stood out to us. And I, I could start if you guys want in terms of, uh, yeah, I've never played means. a game before that allowed me to use my intestines to swing around levels like <laughs> Spider-Man. I've never encountered that in 25 plus years of gaming. So that was something that's a first for me. And it's something that I'll always thank Cruelty Squad for. I mean, you, you've stolen my my mojo oh. there because that, that, <laughs> you knew I was gonna I was gonna go with the Spider Man route. Let's be honest, <laughs> but yeah, that 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 is a, a a big thing of it. But I think I've already touched upon it. I just think the idea that you get given the opportunity to you know, make things easier on yourself and the idea of being easier on yourself is that you pay a higher consequence for that in like, well, you know, we, we can make it so you have this, you know, or you don't have to pay a fee anymore for this, but there's always this little thing at the back of it. It's never quite as simple as like, no, we're making the game easier for you. We're making sure that you, you don't have to pay that fee now anymore and you can get what you want. But, you know, you had this moralistic consequence where it's like oh yeah you can regenerate health now you know if you eat the bodies of people you kill oh but by the way that's one percent health every time you kill someone it doesn't matter who that is you know and that in itself is just majestic and as a feature to me that you can pretty much massacre an entire level and maybe make 15 20 percent of your health you know like like if you had a bad time at the beginning of it and you're still not really safe from doing it but you're that little bit more safe and the way it makes you prioritize your own safety over the safety of everyone in the game just fucking makes that whole mission just perfect you know in terms of what they're doing and oh christ it's just that loop in itself to me is just the highlight of the entire game the idea that you just nah, human life isn't important nobody's life is important your mission is to go kill this guy this guy and this guy and these guys with the guns yeah you should probably kill them too because they're just gonna hurt you but hey just kill fucking everyone you know whatever like that I like that they make it really tough to just not pacifying you know civilians that you pretty much have to kick them 
and they just fucking pinball around the yeah, environment. Yeah, you got that leg upgrade. Yeah, just... yeah uh, and it's like that in itself feels bad and annoying at the same time because like yeah you've killed them at that point but also you've got to go and fucking find them because they've pinballed around the whole environment and you don't know what way they've gone and in some situations that comes the price of like well you've already got people here that actually want to kill you so you can't really go back after that hell do you really want to go back and get one percent health from the guy you killed by fucking kicking him across the room and having him pinballing around it so that you can take on this next guy who actually has a gun and can deal 20% damage to you and it I love that because in the moment you don't really think about how absurd that is and that is a perfect perfect like observation on the whole situation the idea that you would work for fucking nothing, basically, and yet, if you really stood there and thought about what you were doing, you'd quit and walk out the door and just do anything else than what you're doing right now. But in the moment, you're like, well, let me just go a little bit further. Maybe I could earn a bit more money. Maybe I could do this. Maybe I God almighty, that, that is the smartest writing in the entire game is those moments where it isn't writing. You know, it, it's down to that, where you're like, oh, I am here doing a job and to make this job keep going and to keep earning money and to keep that money, I'm going to need to make these trivial little moments to me count when re- in reality I'm murdering dozens of people just to maybe last 20 seconds longer than I did last time. And it's disgusting. You know, but fucking hell, that as a methodology is brilliant. Or the fact that you just killed somebody for like three grand sometimes. I think there's one of the early hits, you kill a guy and of course you subsequently have killed every single person in that building. And then you get the flashing thing at the top at the end of the level that was like, you made three grand. It was like, hmm. That's the quality cost of life these days. Yeah. But uh, Evan, I didn't want to cut you off. What was one of your uh, favorite oddities of uh, Cruelty Squad? I'm sure there are many. Uh, honestly, like the, it's not a moment that I controlled, but like when you first load the game and there's just the the the, the music and there's a delayed, there's no title that you click mm. or whatever. It's just mm. this car, this like beaten down, like busted up. That car with just—I think it's your player character, just sort of, or maybe it's just a dead body. I can't. It's like I don't even know what I'm looking at. Already, yeah. like the game is started. Yeah. It's a nor. It's a thing I know. I know that's a car, but I have no mm-hmm. idea what I'm looking at. Why is like half the head gone? Like what the fuck is going on? So that, <laughs> uh, and then in terms of like a gameplay thing that I did. Um, Man, I don't even know where to start. I mean, yeah, like I bring up those giant, those giant robots that are just suddenly uh, robots. I don't know what they are in the mall with the giant chain guns. Giant, giant skeleton cops. Yeah, and then they're outside the apartment <laughs> building later, uh, mm-hmm. and you got to get by them, and uh, like just, just things like that. Uh, I really, like I mentioned, you know, it's great to go through a complete complex and just completely destroy and murder everyone and then just like yeah have a have a little fishing break and you're 
just gonna hang. Yeah. <laughs> you're just gonna catch some fish and then go back to it. I mean, yeah, things like that, like the like the ch- the pizza and the pot or the beer or is it beer mm-hmm. pot just littered around the environment. Yeah, just like yeah. That only gives you five health. Yeah, like okay. Um, oh yeah, like the the dead corpse of that person. Yeah, that pizza slice. Give me that. Okay, I'm gonna wash this down with like whatever you know, future soda nightmare. So um, yeah, maybe that answers your question. I there's yeah. I I think that the uh, those skeleton cops that you mentioned are great. In addition to just being bizarre and random, but. I love that they facilitate more than that in that, uh, you know, I think they're introduced in Mall Madness is the level where you got to kill a guy in a shopping mall and there's two of them guarding him and it's the, I think it's the second or third variation of enemies and I died so many fucking times on that part because I was either too stupid or wasn't experimenting enough to realize like you need armor piercing weapons or explosives to kill those guys. You can't use any of the weapons that you've had at that point. And so they service as not only like a rad punk rock kind of enemy to fight or hell metal enemy to fight, but at the same time, like they serve a purpose in showing the player, like you're going to encounter certain things that are going to fundamentally make you walk back or adhere to certain variables going into a, uh, a specific assassination in that you need explosives or an armor piercing weapon or some other type of ability or you could do what I did and I like carried a toilet all the way over to that area and then lobbed this like nuclear waste toilet at it which is one of I mean I ended up dying still but it was just a hilarious little moment because that furthermore is one of my f- favorite oddities of the game where destroying a toilet whether by your own clumsiness or shooting it or throwing it at somebody releases a noxious poisonous gas that kills the enemy or yourself <laughs> yeah. like that's one of the one such a wonderful juvenile little thing that serves more than being just a punchline and that i think is one of the best examples of the sensibilities of the game design in this and that yeah everything is laced in a certain level of humor but it has a functionality past giggling like a nine-year-old for a couple of seconds which i think is why the game's abrasive you know humor also doesn't really wear off on me because everything serves a purpose you know even that car which you mentioned from the opening screen yeah you can whip around a neighborhood in that and i didn't realize that till i finished the level and then i kind of jumped in it and drove around all the corpses that i'd been eating and whatnot throughout the level (laughs) but i just love that everything serves a purpose other than just trying to get a reaction yeah you the initially that's either shocking or offensive to some people but it serves a purpose in the gameplay which i think is the core of what makes the entire thing work so well and it's why you know, I didn't get to finish it yet, but it's a game that I'm definitely going to be making time for uh, over the next couple of weeks. Well, and there's even uh, one thing which I don't even think we spoke about, which is uh, the whole like Dark Souls Divine Light Severed thing, where it's like if, mm. if you don't have that, you can't get into a certain door in a, in a certain level. Like, mm-hmm. things. Yeah, yep. and it doesn't really tell you much about this at all. It just kind of you see a thing pop up that says divine light severed and you're like what (laughs) (laughs) okay or whatever you know so furthermore there's rewards in not only getting farther into the game but also exploring Mm because again you talked about how sprawling those environments are and yeah there might only be well i wouldn't put a limit i suppose but there are there's more freedom to carry out each hit than you would find in most types of sims like this but 
at the same time, like there might be 10 or 12 different ways. And yet there's still reason to go back and experience those levels other than just like enjoyment and whatnot. There's actually exploring more has the rewards, whether or not they're innocuous or not, like in that mall madness level that I mentioned, as frustrating as it was, it forced me to explore more until I could find either other weapons or a secret passage or something. And there's one instance where you're running down this seemingly endless hallway and then the floor just collapses yeah. and you find yourself surrounded by a bunch of skeletons that you can't really kill. And I'm like, well, what the hell is this? But then there's a staircase and I kind of like ran up and went back on my way. And it's kind of like, well, that didn't necessarily like add a great deal to the overall uh, progression of the level that I took. But at the same time, it's like a hilarious footnote that's very random. And yet I'm like, well, I appreciate the fact that there is this kind of like, I guess, a I don't know if I'd call it a joke or not, but it's just like this random thing. Like, why would you include that? And the re- the fact that it gave me pause enough to be like, what the fuck? Like, I appreciate yeah. that because it's not the basis for the entire level. You could completely miss it. But at the same time, it doesn't like screw up your progress at all. You could just be like, well, I'll just run through that door and find that ladder. But I don't know. I enjoy little, little bits like that. Yeah, like it's a good kind of reference. And it's kind of like what I was trying to pinpoint earlier about like being it's the first kind of like you know release project of this developer because it's just that that moment with the hallway you 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 bring up is like that reminded me of like falling down into the um the waters and like you know the first level of quake and then there's the zombies there you know and it's just kind of like Mm -hmm. hey remember quake yeah cool me too all right so back to the you know like it's like and it's, it's like yeah you're like why is this in here it's like because uh, why is there a car drivable because why can i fit because that's stuff that they wanted yeah. to put in the game to put it on the kind of questions you don't you don't care about really when you think about it uh, i i i can't really speak about the game i've been playing recently because by the time this episode goes out i'm still kind of under embargo but it's in the hintiest way possible it's a an expansion to an existing throwback shooter on PC and there's aspects of it that are like that where it's just like why is this thing happening what's it got to do with that is it and the answer is always because and and that's the way to do things sometimes and, and that's video it, it works <laughs> yeah I mean that that really when it comes down to it that that should be it no matter how deep or philosophical your answer might be the the main thing behind it should be just because it's a video game and yeah. I am furthering this you know the medium by doing something within that medium that works because it's that medium yeah. and I think when you talk about Cruelty Squad so much of it does not work unless it's a video game it is tapping into the history of the medium it's tapping into a very specific sub-genre and doing things that uh, are interesting as a result it is fully understanding of what it is it is nothing but a video game at the end of the day you know like for whatever messages are in there any medium can have those messages that that, that, that is nothing you know that, that's there's no leeway there to sort of debate or argue about that what matters is the aspects of the game that 
deal with what games are and what games can be. And there's the strength straight away in this game is that it, it understands what video games can do and pushes that idea in a new way. And that's what you want out of games, really. You want games that can do that because otherwise, where are we? We're stuck with, you know, big budget games that play it safe. We don't want that. We, we want games that take risks and look ugly and are frustrating. The kids want cruelty. They do. <laughs> yeah, they really they, do want that cruelty. Cruelty. Yeah. They just don't know they it. They just yet. don't know it. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's true. And these other games like Inscription, it's a good game because it is a game. It revels in being a game doing things that a game can only do. That kind of ties into my uh, my final question for both of you. Uh, Evan, I'd like to start with you, just because you're our esteemed guest. Um, and that was, if there was something that other indie games, whether they be horror or not, could stand to learn from a game like Cruelty Squad, what would that be? Take risks. Don't give a fuck, man. <laughs> do whatever the <laughs> hell you want to do. Uh... This is this is a game that I feel like had zero, uh, like a lot of my favorite indie games as of late, uh, zero compromise, hundred percent. Just let's just do what I what we want to do, what we yeah. want to um, convey, and I think that is so key to great horror as a genre mm-hmm. uh, to bring it back. It's just like. All the all the horror that I can think of, like you think you look at, and it's funny too because it ties back into that whole like underappreciated upon release or like questioned or like just people that that intense reaction where people are just like you know fuck Matrix Resurrections or like back in the day where they were just like <laughs> fuck the thing like what the hell is that like yeah. and now it's like oh it's like the best horror movie ever made. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that you know like John Carpenter just being like these idiots don't know what the hell I'm trying to do fuck them I'm gonna just make this amazing movie right E.T.'s gonna bury it uh, <laughs> and then whatever uh, so that I would say like you know just look at what is available to you um, and you do like let nothing stop you which I which I, I know in theory is having no parameters is kind of like a boxing yourself in and in some ways and like you know but that yeah, like but it's, it's that whole reminds me of picking apart you know literature in school you're just like god damn it like why are you making me do this it's ruining my experience first experience <laughs> <laughs> you know I never want to read Lord of the Flies again 1984 you know anyway so and yet, uh, with Cruelty Squad, I can do that, and it doesn't take away from it. And uh, what do you guys? What would you say, Jay? What's well, your question? Yeah, answer? Good, Jay. Or Neil, <laughs> Mister <laughs> Other Host? <laughs> I interject. I'll let Neil go. Uh, that's Neil, fine. Neil, Let's yeah, break down the rules inter- of this podcast. What yeah. <laughs> rules? He's hurt. He is host. I am interject. <laughs> That's the way it goes. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, so it, it's hard to sort of disagree what you were saying, really, 
to be honest um the thing that matters most about that is understanding the medium yeah as we said you need to get what you're talking about and like i said my favorite games tend to do that and understand that they always carry the legacy of what came before and understand where it should go now and subvert what is actually popular right now as a result and here it goes again um Metal Gear Solid 2 is a perfect example of that I'm sorry which game? Metal Gear Solid (laughs) 2 Sons of Liberty Sons of Liberty I may add on that one (laughs) just to clarify on that one (laughs) but yes that's the sort of game where you can tell the idea was like yeah okay people get what they want from games and yeah I can take from influences that I love but also what if I just really piss them off by doing things they don't want from games right now and keep out the safe zone and Kojima is perfect at that I I might add in game to game to game he generally does that so well with his studios makes games that are really they're just about on the precipice of like blockbuster but weird enough that they piss people off um He's like an elevated Christopher Nolan in that respect. Jay, we've, Jay, we've actually... lost them. We've lost them. <laughs> we've lost them. No, and I don't rate Christopher Nolan, I might add, uh, for, in terms of like anything he's done in the last 20 years. <laughs> but, but, so, memento onwards. Yeah. Um, but I still, th- I get the idea that it's someone who's saying, oh, no, you know, you can do a blockbuster thing and have it be different. It doesn't have to be like everything else like that. The consequence being that others will copy that and not take away the core idea of what you're doing. And as a result, the idea that the public and the media will see ends up being something else entirely. But you roll with those punches when they come. And yeah, so in conclusion, this is that kind of game that, that, that really does have something about it that is abrasive, aggressive, uncaring, and you're on board with it or not. And, and you know, like I said, I don't rate it entirely as a game, but as an experience and for the message it's giving out, I really do think it is worthwhile it's a religion <laughs> yes that's it and like any good religion you should question it don't question cruelty squad I've tried <laughs> <laughs> after an hour plus of chatting about it we've all come to the same conclusion you don't question cruelty squad you don't play cruelty squad so much as it plays you but no I think that this is again the type of game that I would have very easily kind of passed over just because of you know again like just from the outset you look at it and you're like well how many other indie titles have we seen where it's like oh let's make something that looks abrasive and then you spend more than 15 minutes with it and you're like I basically have experienced everything this has to offer whereas in Cruelty Squad's case I think approaching a game from the design elements that might feel familiar but applying that I don't give a fuck attitude 
to it from the ground up and applying it to those what might be familiar variables can actually make it refreshing. You know, again, keep referencing things like Deus Ex and whatnot and seeing them take a lot of that identity, but then give their own aesthetical identity to it and their own sensibilities, whether it be humor and whatnot. It ends up making it into an experience that I can keep calling keep referring to Deus Ex and whatnot, but if you sit down and play, you're like, you're never thinking about those influences really while you're playing. It's only afterwards that you're able to like sit there for a second and like let your uh, the equilibrium rebalance and whatnot from that sensory assault that you just uh, experienced. Then you start to think about what it is like rather than in the moment, you're kind of just trying to make your way through this world and more than often than not, it's not in one piece. Uh, given how difficult it can be and whatnot. But yeah, Evan, I really appreciate you bringing this one to the table for us this week because Cruelty Squad is a game that uh, has infected my brain and I don't see it uh, ever leaving my brain until I inevitably explode and respawn for the low price of $500. Yeah, yeah, you gotta... Hey, man, keep keep getting that money and uh, one day you can get that giant flesh suit exoskeleton. (laughs) That's like uh, however million... Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I, I'm by the lake house. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm a. I'm a big. Yeah. I mean, I, I just want to scream cruelty squad from the rooftops like anybody. But anyway, yeah. It's uh, no. It's a pleasure, and uh, hopefully next time we'll you know we'll talk about some other messed up game. Say more rainbows. <laughs> 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 if uh, we're always willing to have you on to chat horror and games, so long as it's uh, it's nice and weird. Awesome. Have you heard of a game called uh, Minecraft? Uh, <laughs> we'll save that. I've heard of it. I don't know if it's quite as weird as I'd like it to be. <laughs> well, let me tell you, it's an immersive sim. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. Pl- uh, please have me back. Always a pleasure. Um, Oh, amazing! Every week, listening to you guys like deep dive into uh, into the stuff because uh, again, I think it bears repeating: like, not a ton of um, maybe newer journalism, but not a, not a ton of like uh, analysis of like horror and, and video games and stuff like that, that that goes on. Really, it's more just like, was this good? Yes or no? Was this scary? Yes or no? Okay. Yeah. yeah so. Keep doing it, guys. Oh, we'll keep doing it. <laughs> Only because I love to talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we appreciate the kind words, and we uh, definitely look forward to having you back on to chat in the future. Right on. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. Please consider following and rating the show on your preferred podcast platform. And for updates on the show, follow us on Twitter at Safe Room Pod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>